2: sportsgrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24/7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. sportsgrid.com. Welcome in everybody to
3: The Early Line. Live right here on SportsGrid on a Tuesday morning. I am Kevin Walsh joined by Donnie Wrightside, DRS. How you feeling?
4: Energetic is always here on a Tuesday, ready to get after it. What do we have? little college basketball, little NBA talk, setting up the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Kevin, it's never too early to start talking Super Bowl odds and some profits here. So we got you covered, as to say the least, here over the next two hours here. We certainly
3: do, and of course, each and every day, that Super Bowl injury report will be something to follow. We open up our 7-7 seven and seven headlines with news around both teams and their starting tight ends. Tyler Higby, CJ Uzama, both suffering knee injuries in the conference championship games. Varying degrees of confidence from the two clubs about their command coming back. Higby in that knee sprain, little uncertainty, Uzama. They felt that his MRI was encouraging, but still no official word on whether these guys will be able to play in the Super Bowl.
4: Yeah, two guys that basically couldn't walk off the field, Kevin, in the AFC and NFC Championship games. would be a surprise if they both play or even both play well. Now, this is the Super Bowl. They're going to do everything in their power to try to get on the field and play. But how effective will they be? That's what we're going to find out.
3: And, of course, their absence leaves a hole. Kendall Blanton is an obvious one on the Rams side. But on the Bengals side, it's more Chase. It's more Higgins. It's more Boyd. All of those things we will, of course, be following as those prop markets continue to develop. Also in the NFL, another update around Tom Brady, who on his most recent Let's Go podcast says... He's not made a decision. He understands that everybody, you know, wants the information around this, but he can't be held responsible for what others say, only what he says. And so far, he hasn't said anything just yet.
4: Yep. It's like showing up to the surprise birthday party and let the birthday boy know exactly where the surprise is and what you're doing here. This is just the fact of the matter is Tom Brady wants to control the narrative and rightfully so, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy that had an illustrious career to me, the best football player of all time. He has a right to say exactly when he's giving it up. And if you do leak some of that information up because you have that rapport with the media. Let's just say, you know, you've you leaked stuff to Adam Schefter. Boy. Hey, look, man, I'm just letting you know, I am going to retire. I'm setting up a couple things here. Trust me, when it's completely official, you'll get the very first text. But everybody wants to jump the story. Leaks out here. Now Tom Brady's sort of pulling it back. It's great, though, that he went on a podcast and basically said, I don't know where these rumors came from. I just had a quiet weekend at home, and it's no real big deal. And I'll let you guys know when. That's not going to be the case here. So we should get some information over the next two weeks, though, for sure
3: yeah again we and we will i i I think this week we'll hear word but officially still no word yet from tom brady's camp uh, transitioning over towards the nba joe ingles done for the season suffered a knee injury over the weekend and it is a torn acl that will end his season and i have to say Donnie, everything in utah This is not going smoothly right now. Gobert's injured, Mitchell's injured, and now they lose one of their key guys for the rest of the year.
4: Yeah, and initially you look at this, okay, you could still get on with Joe Ingles, but you're talking about veteran presence here. And in the NBA, your shooting is a commodity. When you have electric guards, dominant big men who play defense, mm. what is a nice piece to have? Guys that can absolutely nail it from three-point range. That's a tough injury here for Utah. We'll see how they succumb. But again, this is the NBA. It's a war of attrition a lot of times. It's who can make it to the end of the season healthy, and Utah already dinged up.
3: Yeah, certainly not where you want to be if you are the Utah Jazz, especially with the Phoenix Suns continuing to win basketball games and the Golden State Warriors winning another game as well. As Steph feels like he finally had a Steph game, 19 points scored entering the third quarter. 21 points scored in the fourth quarter. As the radio audience enters the fold, appreciate all those tuned into the early line on Sports Grid Radio. Kevin Walsh, dining right side here on a Tuesday morning, breaking down the seven and seven top headlines. Steph Curry finally catching fire. Seven made threes in this game.
4: Yeah, how about that? Forty points, but also, if you take a look at the line here overall, I mean, nine assists out here, five rebounds, seven of fourteen. This is what we're used to from Steph Curry. This is what I was joking about the past two weeks, Kevin. By the dip in the MVP odds, he knows how to manipulate the market. Hey, look, looking to get my fans an even better price here. Let me take a few weeks off here and then storm back <laughs> down the backstretch of the season. Looks like it's already began here. Nice forty-point night here. Also in that game, Clay Thompson only one of eight from the three-point line. So somebody had to pick mm-hmm. it up, and that was that was us, Steph Curry.
3: Yeah, certainly, and you're talking about picking it up, though. The Philadelphia 76ers, no Joel Embiid, no problem. In overtime against one of the best teams in the NBA, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Sixers get the job done, 122-119, to 119. Tyrese Maxey, 33 points, and the game-clinching layups there from Tyrese Maxey as the Sixers with one of their best wins of the entire season.
4: How about John Morant going for 37, Desmond Bain for 34. And look at the usage rate we always talk about, right? 30 shots for John Morant, 21 shots for Bain, but also from a Sixers perspective. You talk about all the time when the superstars aren't playing, somebody has to pick up the slack. Tobias Harris, 31 points. Tyrese Maxey, 33. And how about this performance from Andre Drummond? He must save up that energy reserve for the entire season for when he gets those spot starts. 16 Mm -hmm. points, 23 rebounds, and five assists. And keep in mind, Sixers did get this game to overtime. We're down four about midway through. Nice yeah. little comeback here, and it ends on a layup from Maxi. Great win for the Sixers, who now are looking at maybe the top seed in the East. Crazy. Yeah, a lot of teams bunched there at the
3: top of that Eastern Conference. And the college basketball game, If you are a college team, hope Donnie doesn't like your team total under. Notre Mm. Dame still on that court, wondering if they'll ever break 50 as they got absolutely rolled at home by Duke. West Virginia trailed a lot of the second half or actually led a lot of the second half to Baylor but could not hold on. Baylor does get that win. Come right back. early line continues.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: Live right here on a Tuesday morning, couple Walsh. And Donnie right side. And usually on a Tuesday, we talk the early lines, and we will. We're going to hit it right away, though. Usually we wait until hour number two as we take a look at the odds for Super Bowl 56. The LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals right now are a four point underdog here, with this total being 48 and a half. Before we get into the specifics of the side and the total, I want to talk a little bit about how unique this situation is, and I think a lot of people will certainly understand. It is the most important football game of the year, with a two-week gap from basically these lines being released until the line uh, and the game all, of course, needing to play out. The timing of the bet in a lot of markets, but we're talking off the top here, the side and the total, is always going to be important. Do you want to get the best of the number? How much are these numbers going to shift? And I know, Donnie, for yourself last year, right, you had an important play on a Bucks team total over that ultimately worked out. Talk to me a little bit about the timing of betting the Super Bowl within this two-week window.
4: Yeah, there, there's really a lot. There's there's different you know strategies that go into it because if you already have your mind made up, and a lot of people do, like, hey, I'm ready for the Super Bowl. If this game ends up, the Rams and the Bengals, I really like the Los Angeles Rams, or I really like the Bengals, and you see the opening line come out, which was 3.5, which the majority of people, or maybe should I say sharp money or enough money, push that number here at the FanDuel Sportsbook from 3.5 up to 4. Same thing with the total. Maybe you looked at this game straight out and said, hey, man, that Rams defense is really good. Maybe a little bit of nerves on the Cincinnati Bengals side. I like the under, so we see those 49-9 half disappeared to 48 and a half so those are the opening numbers now you sort of get that little bit of a lull, Kevin because it's not like you know sharps hitting the market or big money hitting the market right off the gap you're almost in that waiting period now because you're not going to hear a lot from the camps here practice wise now and also here's another key there aren't any major injuries now look we just talked about the tight ends right Higby and Uzoma will they play will they not play but trust me right now You're not taking a Rams ticket. You're not taking a Bengals ticket because, you know, you know what? If Zoma doesn't play, I'm not taking the Bengals. Or if Higby can't line up, no way I'm taking the Rams. That's not the case because you could have had a knee injury for Joe Burrow. You know, an arm injury for Matthew Stafford, uh, shoulder for, you know, Jalen said, Okay, that might really impact this game overall, but we're not going to have it, which is great because you want the cleanest cap you can. So talking about betting this week, unless you hit that line, you're probably sitting out, reading the tea leaves, waiting to see those teams actually fly out to L.A. and start practicing. Because you know me, Kevin, that normal routine during the regular season on a bye week, you're not really looking at that football team. Why? Because there's no football game that week and there's many other football games to look at. But being that this is the Super Bowl, both of the teams will be off. Both of the teams will be practicing next week. You have that normal work week flow, right? Where you get the interviews and, hey, these guys all traveled out here who's the practice report, what's going on. That's when it'll start to settle in. So for me, probably around that Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week. And I'm not talking about prop bets. We're just talking about straight wagers here on the total and what you get out of the football game. That's probably when I'll make my decision because I said it yesterday. You know, we did in-play sports as well as the early line yesterday, and we're saying like, okay, where are you leaning here? I'm leaning towards the Rams in this game, but I need to see a couple things play out. The three and a half to four is enough to make, oh, I better take the four now, Kevin. So my question to you also, this is always a fun game to look at, You see the line opened up at three and a half. It sits at four. More likely for you, Kevin, does this game go to four and a half? Or does this game go backwards to three and a half and three? For me, I think four is a really fair price here. I cannot see Mm -hmm. this game going back to three. But even if you're talking about the four and a halves and the fives, that's probably a tough one to get. I would probably say more likely to settle at this four number. But if I had to pick and you say, Donnie, it's four right now, I think it's more likely to go to four and a half than possibly three and a half in my eyes.
3: I definitely think that is the case. I don't think there's any threes coming. Because the fact that it opened at 3.5 and, and immediately went to 4, right? Yes. And obviously, we're looking here at the at the lines on the FanDuel book, But, they, you know, there there are other options out there. And some other options will sit at a 4.5 spot. So we seem a, a, a way away from certainly a flat 3. But even that 3.5 marker there. And I think this, is, again, we talk about the timing. Unless some very surprising news comes in, right? it's going to exist in this range, right? Three and a half to four and a half. And I I, I like, I'm trying to think about even what could move this under the four marker though. Uh, a no on Higby and a yes on Uzama, right? I guess maybe could potentially get some people a little inclined in in that respect there. When you talk about, you know, some trends that that you want to line up here, the Cincinnati Bengals have been cover machines really towards the back end of the season, seven in a row, which even includes that Week 18 game uh, where they were a dog against the Browns and covered uh, in a loss. The Rams, it's been a little bit more hit or miss. But I want to ask you, you know, again, we talk about trends, right? I mean, one of one. Now this is going to be two of two teams playing in their own building for the Super Bowl. And, man, if you thought it was odd last year, you now have a building that is routinely taken over when it's a normal game. Now it's the Super Bowl. So you're not, I would assume, it's not as much of a cap if you're factoring in home field on crowd noise but more comfortability how much and should it really factor in the fact that this game is being played in the Rams home stadium
4: yeah not as much as a true home field advantage would be because all of your fans aren't there so if you're looking from a perspective of does it matter it actually does matter because we talk about familiarity like where you're being hey I drive the same way to work each day you know, I get up at the same time. We're going to play in my time zone here. I'm going to sleep in my bed, or at least for you know the time being until you get into the hotels, but also at the same time, I'm at my own practice facility. I'm used to everything here. We don't have to travel. And, you know, I always bring up the adage where the West Coast team goes East Coast or East Coast goes West Coast. Your body clock is a little bit off. Now, these guys will be out here, typically, Kevin, during a regular season football game. When the Raiders, let's just say, from Las Vegas, let's just say, fly into, I don't know, to play the Patriots, right? You're usually flying in on a Saturday. So maybe that body clock difference is a little bit more in those three hours or two hours whatever it might be if you're traveling from like Denver. But if you're coming back the other way, that full time here, it's like, okay, well, We're going to fly in on a Tuesday or a Monday, Kevin. So we have five to six Mm -hmm. days to acclimate. So I don't think that's going to be that big of a difference. But the one thing, as I said, just being familiar, just staying at home. You don't have to get on that plane. You're not going to be traveling all that far. Hey, I'm going to check into a hotel in the city, which is 15 miles away from where I currently live. So getting to the game is a little bit easier. And also, you're looking at... The home team in this game technically is not the Rams. It's actually the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, does that matter? No, it doesn't. But how about this? The mm-hmm. Rams get to stay in their own locker room. You're just comfortable in there, right? You walk in there all the day. This is my locker here. This is, you know, I know exactly where to go. Here's our team meeting rooms inside the locker room. You don't have to change anything. I'm like, hey, this is a small locker room. Or I'm usually going to have my locker room on, or locker on this side. Now it's on the other side. That's not going to be the case here because the Cincinnati Bengals are going to use the Chargers locker room. But from a capping perspective, am I looking at this game going, oh. Oh, man, Cincinnati's on the road for this game. Tack on three points. Absolutely not. Slight bump, though, towards the Rams because they're familiar with the surroundings. And I think when you look at the line, this is certainly not
3: a full home field advantage Rams line. But I do think they're maybe getting a little bit off of it, right? We, we've talked about how much is home field advantage worth in today's NFL. I know the the book used to you know, three, three. It can't be a field goal anymore it doesn't make sense just the way the, the, the way the numbers look i'm not saying it doesn't make sense to value it at three it's just nothing that suggests that that's how they do value it. but even if you you value it at two and a half again maybe it's worth a point here right actually you have to ask yourself if this team lined up on a neutral field what would you make the number and if you going into this game don't value where this is being played at all well, then maybe you have yourself a little bit then of that kind of edge there when you talk about the Cincinnati Bengals at that four marker. The one thing I will say, we we'll talk about you know key numbers and the importance of getting in. I think one thing that we have found, of course, is maybe getting in on the teaser is a little bit better if you wanted to do it early. Because, and we hope it's not going to be the case, but you never know what could happen with COVID now my expectation is that nothing will happen it's we've been flying throughout this postseason and it, things just kind of have a, a way of working out that way but if you wanted to tease early the Bengals up to 10 in case it goes back to three and a half now you're not getting the full double digit marker those are things that certainly can make some sense coming up against the break though here on the early line we'll come back we'll talk about a total that has been moving and in one direction throughout. And look at some of these Super Bowl specials that are already listed. All next, right here on The Early Line.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Live on Sports group talking Super Bowl 56 lines. And right now, this total does sit at 48 and a half, but this is not where it opened. DRS, tell me where did this line open? Because it's continued to work its way down. And perhaps why you think that might be the case.
4: Yeah, I actually agree with the line movement down here. Opened up at 49.5. Now we're seeing the 48.5. So we'll see it settle in. And also keep in mind, this is the Super Bowl nobody really wants to come in and take the under and sit back and watch the football game but the money has spoken Mm -hmm. here and typically every single game regardless of weather conditions or what's going on typically more money is always on the over because that's what the betting public likes but if we're looking from an over perspective in this game you look at both sides, right? You have a pretty good offense there for the Rams. You have a pretty good offense, obviously, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But the defense is the key in this one. The one that we're worried about is that Rams defense, particularly the front four, getting pressure on the Cincinnati Bengals. And also keep in mind, Like, this isn't a normal game here. This isn't a normal weekly structure. The spotlight is going to be so right. First of all, you're in L.A., brand-new stadium, and it's a Super Bowl already on top of that. But also, you're taking a look at these two teams. They're going to have two weeks to really determine themselves on what their future is going to be because we're looking at Cincinnati, the last time they won a Super Bowl. The Rams, how about them? Exactly. This isn't two teams that are used to, again, when they win the Super Bowl, right? The Rams, they were in St. Louis. It's not even like they're in, you know, L.A. at that point when they won it with Kurt Warner. So it's not like you're rolling out here with Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. Hey, we've been there, done that before. We won Super Bowls, and we've been back. These are teams that are going to be new to the stage. And even when you're taking a look at Matthew Stafford, he's a veteran quarterback. Fantastic. You know, he wins his football game. You're going to start talking about, does he go down in history when it's all said and done as being a Hall of Fame quarterback? But at the same time, I agree with the under and the movement on this is interesting because even in the playoffs or late in the regular season, December, January, and now obviously into February. What are we typically looking for? Weather conditions, freezing cold temperatures, snow in the forecast, windy conditions. That's not going to be the case. It is going to be an ultra fast surface, but also you're not going to be surprised when you enter in this football game for me, Kevin three to nothing at the end of the first quarter where both Mm -hmm. of these teams are trying to feel their way around. That's just the way it feels. And also, when you're looking from a game perspective here, you know, the defense usually wins the day early on before the offense starts to figure it out. So if the pass rush might tire for the Rams, maybe that gives Joe Burrow and that offense a little bit more of a kick with those wide receivers. But having said that, you know, initial initial content here, 49.5 to 48.5, I agree with that move, and I think it should be there. I think
3: for... I think when you kind of consider just what both teams put forward on championship Sunday, a pair of unders, it makes sense. But I'm someone who has had the Cincinnati Bengals when we do the pick six as the under game, you know, all three weeks of the postseason so far. And it's just kind of the way Cincinnati lines some things up. But one really interesting thing, of course, for those that value trends, and I always like to bring them up, I think they can certainly help you kind of understand how things have been going and playing out. The Cincinnati Bengals, with that Chiefs under now added to the resume, are 8-2 and to the under on the road. Does that matter, though? You know what I mean? Like, they're... They're not in Cincinnati, that's for sure, and they're definitely in their opponent's building. Like I, I know, And I know, like, you know, Donnie, your mileage on trends can kind of vary as is, but does that move you at all? You know, an 8-2 marker on the road for the Cincinnati Bengals in this game.
4: I mean, somewhat, because, again, we talked about, like, the Rams being at home, familiarity. It's the same thing when the Bengals are at home. Hey, it's our crowd. It's our stadium. I'm sleeping in my bed. You know, I'm driving into the stadium. We didn't have to travel that weekend. A lot of that goes into it. But overall for the Super Bowl, not necessarily, Kevin, would I be looking at that as an angle. or said, you know what? I really have to keep up on this because when they're on the road, I mean, technically, both teams, I guess, would be on the road because the crowd advantages is different. Also, maybe it would have been different, Mm -hmm. Kevin, if we had still the COVID, you know, Uh, mandates where nobody was allowed in the stadium. So home and away doesn't really matter. And now you're seeing like you're actually playing because Joe Burrow did get injured in his rookie year in a COVID season. So maybe, you know, not playing in away stadiums and not really having those crowd noise to deal with. And now you do. It's something to look at, but not something I'm going to weigh all that heavily here.
3: Yeah, again, I think the mileage on it for people will vary. And I understand why. And the one thing with that total and the side, and the props and some of these specials that we're going to talk about here, uh, you know, all all betters have their stories, right? And all betters, you know, you remember your wins, but the losses. And you know, was you know, we talk about on in-play sports tonight, nightmare Monday or you know, nightmare Thursday, right? Um, last year I had a nightmare Sunday in that Chiefs game. I mean, the Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. There probably a lot of people that had nightmares, uh, not Donnie and the Bucks team total and everything that worked out there. But the, the value of the running mate, the value of both teams being able to provide to the kitty, if you will, to be able to add juice all around kind of what lines up and, and who you can trust in what instances, that's all a part of the handicapping process. And, of course, We talk side, we talk total, but the prop markets will be robust. You know, the yardage props are all starting to populate there. We'll touch on that a little bit more at the top of our number two in uh, unison with those tight end injury updates that we have, but also – the specials markets, and not just, you know, the ones that, you know, your your parents know, the coin toss and the safety, but also the specials that I like to believe Donnie and I basically invented here, either yes. Mixon or Akers for 100 rushing yards, Burrow for 30, you know, for three touchdowns and 75 for Mixon on the ground. When you look at these specials, DRS early, anything jumping out?
4: Yeah, one of them is actually jumping out to me. And I want to preface this by saying, and this is just the way the week's starting off for me, and maybe it changes next week. But if I'm looking at both of these teams... The one thing I want to try to take advantage of, where I think it's going to make the most sense, it's that Rams offense, Kevin, versus the Cincinnati Bengals defense. It's not a terrible defense. It's not like you're going up against the Houston Texans, but uh, it just it's kind of hard to roll reverse and say, oh, look, I know how good Joe Burrow is. I know that in the biggest moments he's stepped up, but you're getting probably the number one overall defense here in the NFL with two weeks to prepare for you. That's not to say Jamar Chase can't have a great game, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and all the group there for the Bengals. But at the same time, if I'm looking here, from a Rams perspective, I really want to take advantage of that Rams offense. I love the way Matthew Stafford has played down the stretch here in the playoffs. He's not going up against a Rams-caliber defense. Odell Beckham Jr. should have plenty of chances on the outside, and you're seeing Almost an increase, not in his playing time, but just his usage right there. Cooper Cup should have a very good game. I don't care if he triple team uh, you know the coverage on Cooper Cup shaded to his side. It doesn't matter. He still beats it anyway. Maybe Cam Akers, if he's healthy enough to start the Super Bowl, where you're so worried about those two guys in the secondary, well, he might be able to run and be electric on turf. So from that perspective, that's the way I'm looking here. But I do have a prop, that I'm going to go over in just a few moments on Joe Burrow. But first, Matthew Stafford, and we're looking not for plus 125s, plus 150s early on. We'll settle into those. But the one that caught my eye right off the bat. Is Matthew Stafford three or more touchdown passes? And that includes also with Odell Beckham Jr. over 75 receiving yards. So if we're looking at that, that means Odell Beckham Jr. is probably going to have a decent day, expecting him to score. Maybe somebody else other than Cooper Cup gets in on, like, you know, a tight end release or a uh, running back screen out of the backfield. I think that's legitimate. It's not oh, plus 100, plus 200, plus 300 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. That's listed at a six to one price. Early in the process, that's the one that caught my attention here, Kevin.
3: Last week, the Kelsey 75 yards and Mahomes three passing touchdowns nearly was a winner at half at a 4-1 to one marker. Yeah. So that's one that, that it lines up. There's a level of correlation involved as well that you certainly appreciate, right? The one thing that I'm going to be really interested to see is just how big the menu is as by just by you know this time next week right i'll tell you right now any non-quarterback to complete a passing touchdowns 14 to 1 that is a huge huge number what odds you give me on a non-quarterback to throw a pass i think odell throws a pass in this game it's my guess what kind of odds can i get on that right if it's 14 to 1 that they throw a touchdown five to one that they throw the football right does that does that make sense, DRS?
4: No, it does make sense. And also, you bring it up. These are great memories here because so many times in the Patriots Super Bowls, like Julian Edelman, you have that Swiss Army knife type of guy. And typically, they will list in a Super Bowl, and I'm expecting it again this year, Kevin, over – Two and a half players throw a pass in this football game. So it even mm-hmm. takes out like the touchdown pass. It's the usage rate. You know, will a non-running back or quarterback have a rushing attempt in this game? It's going to. We see it a lot. I mean, there's some crazy plays. You go back to the, you know, the Philly special back in 2017 where, you know, you had a handoff and a touchdown pass from, uh, you know, Burton into the end zone to uh, Nick Foles. But then again, you know, Julian Edelman, we've seen Antoine Randall L back in the day. You know a gadget play is going to be thrown in here at some point. So when that one pops up, which I know it will, over two and a half players to throw a pass. Now also you can get a little bit lucky in this one, for you know nobody risks this. But if Joe Burrow misses a series, or you know Matthew Stafford misses a series, obviously a new quarterback comes in. He's probably going to throw at least one pass. So those are a fun market. But I hear you on that. The gadget plays in the Super Bowl. You usually hold out your very best one for a time in need, and so many times we see it in the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, I also tell you, you know, I always, I want to try and see what is ultimately going to be the longest number available. They'll put a dollar down on whatever the longest thing they create is. Though Ben Skronik to record a 50-yard reception, oh, isn't uh, all. Can I get a 50-yard target? I mean, the ball bounced right off Did his Didn't he just mix. have one? Yeah. And, uh, oh. Yes! And it bounced right off the mitts. I mean, look, Notre Dame's finest. You want to talk about an absolute rock star program. You talk about the Notre Dame fighting Irish and everything that they put forward into the NFL. But I don't know how many targets they're going to be. Like, like I know Donnie were like, oh, yeah, you come back to Cam Akers. That's fine. I don't know if you're, hey, listen, we got to get right back to Ben Scronic. Like, that might be like, yeah, you, we tried, pal. It hit the bricks.
4: Yeah, you know, and also Ben Skoranek here, is, is who I call very affectionately as so-and-so out there at wide receiver or what's-his-name. <laughs> but at the same time, also, he sounds like he's a guy from, like, North yeah. Dakota State. You said Notre Dame. I have no idea where he was from. I just figured he was out playing with Carson Wentz back in college or something like that. So it's very informative if you're on the if show. He Thank probably
3: – yeah, I can't believe he doesn't own, like, multiple FCS records. It's a good point by you. Hot or Not is next.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
0: Hot or not?
3: That's right. Hot or not? Time to hear him on this Tuesday. We begin, well, with Jimmy Garoppolo. I know that this is for some obvious, but for some, he's a winner. They struggle without him. Let's get right down to brass tacks. Donnie, hot or not, Jimmy G has played his last game as a
4: 49er. I like it. On a Tuesday, KWM make a making nice assists here for easy layups. He's done. He is absolutely done in San Francisco. <laughs> you don't go out in the draft, Kevin, and use all that capital for your future guy and say, you know what, let's sit him on the bench for three or four years. This isn't like, oh, hey, they did it with Aaron Rodgers, and remember with Brett Favre? Yeah, that's because Brett Favre's a Hall of Fame quarterback, so you could buy your time here until he left town. You're not going to do that, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's clear. It is clear. If you would have had, and let us I know you can't do this, but we love to do this and play in fantasy land here. If Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, the San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl. If if Russell Wilson was the quarterback, they're in the Super Bowl. If they were able to pull off a deal and Deshaun Watson was able to play this year, the 49ers, to me, Kevin, would have been in the Super Bowl. The single reason. Why the 49ers are not in the Super Bowl because they had a quarterback that couldn't lift them up at the highest level in the biggest spots. We saw it before, and usually you show your stripes early on. And this isn't to say, you know, forget about Jimmy Garoppolo's slander here, Kevin, right? Where you say, he's a bad quarterback, he shouldn't be in the NFL. No, he is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL that probably 10 teams would love to have him. Like, whoa, finally, we got some stability. Because when you line up, he's an NFL guy. He can deliver at certain points of games here. He can also lead you to victory and not going up against elite competition in the biggest moment. So he is an NFL guy. But you have bigger aspirations here for the 49ers. You have elite talent across the board. One of the best coaches in the NFL. And all you're missing is that guy to step up in the biggest moment and lead you. Look, even in the Super Bowl a couple years back, I always get to that moment. He makes one pass to Emmanuel Sanders. They are Super Bowl champions, and he's not going anywhere, Kevin, anywhere at that time. So now you're looking now and you say, where's Jimmy Garoppolo going? We don't know exactly where he's going, but to answer your question on hot or not, it's absolutely hot. Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing another down for the San Francisco 49ers, regardless of what Kyle Shanahan is probably going to say over the next two weeks. Like, we'd love to have Jimmy Garoppolo back. No, you don't. And no, you won't.
3: Look, Yeah, at the end of the day, you open up a new month, you like to start with an easy one. Obviously, he won't be back. That was pretty much obvious the second they sent the draft card in for Trey Lance. The Niners went on a run to a conference championship appearance, and he did absolutely nothing, nothing to say, I should keep this job. First game against Dallas under 200 yards passing, under 65% completion percentage, no touchdowns, and another interception. Against Green Bay, 131 yards passing, under 60% completion percentage, no offensive touchdowns, and an interception that took points off the board. And then against the Rams, 232, oh, great. He was 16 of 30, basically 50% completion percentage, threw two touchdowns, wonderful. One of them went for negative two air yards. I could have thrown the touchdown to Debo Samuel. One interception, and of course, it was the season-ending interception. And basically, as people continue to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, because I don't think you're going to find... Many, if any, people that are going to deliver the other side of, no, he's going to be back in a Niner uniform, or even the he should be back in a Niner uniform. Why are people so complimentary of him? Uh, Donnie, I don't understand why you're like, oh, no, he's a real guy. Donnie, you have the one who said to me, Kosh Anahan's best play caller in the sport. Like, Donnie, he isn't that good. I don't understand. They're like, man, no, listen, you got it. Uh, people always talk about their record with or without Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what, guys? You've got it. He absolutely is an upgrade over Nick Mullins and C.J. Bathard. You win. Look, I'm not saying he's Sam Darnold, okay? Sam Darnold went to Carolina. Joe Brady was like one of the bigger locks of offensive coordinators to become up an NFL head coach and ended up getting fired because Sam Darnold is absolutely awful at the quarterback position. But the world where Jimmy Garoppolo, Donnie, is going to walk into Pittsburgh and it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows, I mean – Pittsburgh's going to run the same offense that they ran with a broken Big Ben. That they're going to ultimately run with Jimmy Garoppolo. He what? He's an A plus level handing of the footballer off. I mean, what are we even talking about here? Why do we have to be so complimentary of this guy? Like he's not I don't know if we don't good. Yeah.
4: No, i I'm, I'm t- I I think he's good. Good is good. means that you're a starter in the NFL, and I think he can do that. And it's funny you brought up the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to tell you right now. If Jimmy Garoppolo was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, they'd have a, been a way better football team. And that's because Big Ben was just on fumes at that point. But I think you're right here. We are heavily complimentary because think about Jimmy Garoppolo in the NFL, right? Gets drafted to the England Patriots you can't get a better situation like Tom Brady's in the same room teaching you the ropes here Josh McDaniels is your offensive coordinator Bill Belichick is your head coach like hey he played really well there so then where does he go to San Francisco So again one of the elite play callers in the NFL to nurture him can you imagine like here's what I want to see like Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with like David Cully with the Texans last year let's see how efficient he would have been with a bad team her heads over to the Jets where their wide receivers didn't show up each and every week is like hey Jimmy you are one of the worst quarterbacks in the league he's had unbelievable circumstances to to try to work around now to say that he can't play in the NFL he can but where is he got like where is the trajectory here because we both know there's no way he's coming back to the San Francisco 49ers so who on the market is like this is a perfect spot and a perfect situation we've talked about it ad nauseum over the past couple months like hey where's he gonna land well he could be a bridge quarterback here but is there anybody out there and it's great that you brought up the Pittsburgh Steelers because as much as they want to tell you Dwayne Haskins is in the running and Mason Rudolph they're not in the running they're running dead last in that race to be the the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> so the fact of the matter is, do you get that bridge guy? Because I actually think he can be serviceable in Pittsburgh, but is that really what you want from another franchise where you bring him in to be serviceable? Because he's probably, Kevin, not going to be on the open market going, hey, you know what? I would love to go to Cincinnati mm-hmm. and he'd be the backup quarterback. It doesn't make any sense there. He's going to be a starter. But again, which type of team would take him as a starter? Because this isn't the guy Say, hey, you know what? Found our franchise guy. Let's get to the Super Bowl. That's not him. Hey, look, I mean, look, Jared
3: Goff is a starter, right, on an awful Detroit Lions team that's picking inside the top three. Jimmy Garoppolo can, can go do that if he'd like. But, but again, like the world where Jimmy Garoppolo is just this like, hey, listen, come on, man, we're all too hard on Jimmy. Are we? Are we? I, like, I think we're actually way, like, far too nice to Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'll just add this kind of to the equation so people, like, can, you know, fully recognize, uh, basic, you know, the way this is going to kind of play out here in terms of, oh, well, maybe they'll bring him back. No, unless it's on a brand-new deal. $24.2 million due. They cut him. It is a $1.4 million cap hit. They're going to save $23.1 million for him to not be on the roster. It is unquestionable that that he is going to be cut or traded. It's a matter of when, not if. I have my own questions around Trey Lance and how that's all going to play out but I think we have enough time to bring up the other team that lost in the conference championship game. Both teams blowing double-digit leads, actually, in the conference championship weekend here. The Kansas City Chiefs, though, were in their fourth consecutive AFC championship game. Pat Mahomes is four for four when he is the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Donnie, hot or not, the Chiefs will make it to a fifth straight AFC championship game next season
4: I'm going with a nod on this one and the reason being is you know is it hot that they're a good football team absolutely can they get back yeah they just did it four straight years but also you talk about attrition in the NFL because what the NFL is based on is parity how good you are. They try to stack the deck against you. So maybe you're not so good and it gives another team a chance. Meaning if you're a good football team, you're going to draft later. You're going to get a tougher schedule. If you win the division like the Kansas City Chiefs did, you get that number one team where you're going to play, you know, two teams out of the division, excuse me, out of conference. They're going to be better than what your opponents in the division are actually playing. So let's do the numbers here in the NFL because I talk about the war of attrition, just making it to the end of the season healthy. For primarily that you're taking a look here at the Kansas City Chiefs over the past couple of years, Travis Kelsey, Seemingly healthy all the time. Tyreek Hill gets banged up here and there, but seemingly healthy. Patrick Mahomes looked like he had one of those devastating knee injuries, which he came back in a couple weeks later and still looked no worse for the wear. Sooner or later, things catch up. Because I'm going to ask you, like, I love Andy Reid as a head coach. Maybe he struggles in the big games. The one thing he gets you to is the big games. Eric Bieniemy. will see if he takes a head coaching job somewhere else. But if not, let's just say Andy Reid comes back, Eric Bieniemy comes back. If you're looking at that offense here, because the defense, Steve Spagnuolo is a very good defensive coordinator. They are built to play from ahead, not necessarily from, hey, the defense is going to win games. But if I told you right now, Kevin, and it's the NFL, guys get injured all the time. And I'm not even going to take Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Like, hey, Mahomes got injured. Of course, they're not going to get back to the AFC championship game. But let's just say Tyreek Hill goes down with a knee injury. Or let's just say Travis Kelsey breaks his leg. Are you looking at this team a lot differently? Because Man. the way they're built for me is, those two guys are wide open every single play and you just have to get them the ball. If you take one of those guys away, That's going to be monumental, and guys get injured all the time. Nobody's rooting for injuries, but we're just being a realist. You go through a 17-game schedule again where these guys are usually always healthy. If one of them gets banged up, and also, Kevin, let's take a look here at each of the divisions in the AFC. There's still the Buffalo Bills there. They should have beat you already this year. Then you take a look here at the AFC North, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens. Then you take a look in the South, the Titans, and if the Colts revamp at the quarterback position. And then also out West, the Broncos, if they get Aaron Rodgers, the Chargers who already have a great quarterback, Justin Herbert, coming up. And who knows what the Raiders will even do. The odds are stacked against you to get back. And I think maybe, Kevin, the odds are just a little bit too much here for Kansas City to get back a fifth straight time. Look, all in all, I I do think you can
3: soften the blow a bit on your hypothetical injuries. It's just a little, you know, a little, a little, a little harsh on it on a Tuesday no. morning. But I I understand no. the premise. I don't don't, don't defiantly no. say no. no. Like you need to no. uh, you need to to Can't run it up things. on the in, on the. I mean, but here here is the here's the thing for me. Ultimately, we don't have odds posted for the AFC yet but the Chiefs will be the favorite. They'll not only be the favorite for the AFC, they're going to be the favorite for the Super Bowl. And they should be. Because at the end of the day, the thing that made Tom Brady, Tom Brady, consistency, right? And the Kansas City Chiefs have provided that each and every single year of Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not telling you that I would lay a number on the Chiefs to go to an AFC championship game. But ultimately, when we kind of start to line it all up, am I going to factor them in as a part of that game? Yeah, absolutely. Because here is, again, the thing about the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They went to the Super Bowl, and they lost to the Bucs. And rightfully, a lot of people said, man, remember Seattle Seahawks? You know, they went, and they went back, and everyone thought they would going to be going back forever, and they haven't been back since. And then Patrick Mahomes, on a down year, basically it feels like did more than we have seen from Russell Wilson ever since, you know, that ultimate interception on the goal line to Malcolm Butler, right back to the championship game. Hosted, by the way, the championship game. And again, had themselves booked as a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. Buffalo should have beat them. Okay. But also Buffalo, right, is throwing touchdowns on fourth and 13. Maybe Buffalo, you know, maybe that game should have gone under, right? At the end of the day, Kansas City continues to find a way. Kansas City flipped to a dog in their division and then up hosting the championship game the end of the day as long as 15 is out there and as long as big red is on the sidelines i have to give the kansas city chiefs that benefit of the doubt because again i don't even know if the team that won the afc this year is going to be the favorite for the division next year in the cincinnati bengals so ultimately i still give gase casey that benefit of the doubt we're gonna pause we come right back the early line because it here on a tuesday morning
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: All right, transitioning from hypothetical injuries to real injuries. Quickly in The NBA, Joe Ingles with that torn ACL out for the season for the Utah Jazz. And as we transition out of, you know, the NFL each and every day, each and every segment, even though we've only talked football up until this point, of course, the NBA is going to take a more prominent role here and kind of updating those futures markets will continue to be important. And the one thing that's still for me, when you look at the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz, that five to one marker. Everyone knows they're just not a team that I think has any win equity when we talk about the Western Conference because I think last year they had their chance and then were eliminated by Paul George who is known for not really being that good in the playoffs and then Terrence Mann uh, embarrassing your defensive player of the year so ultimately adding an injury like this on top of it is really difficult and again Utah remains a team that they're not an easy out but again I just don't see them getting as far as these numbers even tend to suggest
4: yeah, we'll see what happens. And also, you, you take a look at the you know human level of it as well. You're talking about a guy in the last year of his $13 million contract, and it's not as if, Kevin, like, hey, he's 23 years old. He'll snap back and, you know, somebody's us to a Supermax contract and he can just rehab himself, almost like Clay Thompson did with the Golden State Warriors. But at the same time, you take a look at the 34-year-old. This hurts them. So now are, are you looking more at the bench where Jordan Clarkson says, hey, you know what? Let me settle in here and I don't have to do as much. And now his usage rate goes through the roof. Spider Mitchell, the same thing. Other guys are going to have to make up for that shooting from the outside and those two guys that I just mentioned they are more than willing to shoot three-point shots so that attrition that we talk about throughout the NBA season already damaging to them do I think it's going to keep them out of the play no I don't they're still a really good basketball team but this doesn't help in your quest to be NBA champion or even make it to the top out there in the Western Conference
3: and it serves as a good reminder that the NBA trade deadline is not all too far away February 10th so for a team like Utah obviously you never want this to happen but in a way at least you now know going into the deadline where you might need to look to add to your roster to give yourselves a legitimate chance to try and win the nba championship we go our number two we talk about some tight end injuries next right here in the early line